0: Hello and welcome to another episode of K-Botak, the podcast about Korean cinema and K-dramas. I'm John, and if you've been enjoying the glut of somewhat problematic but brilliantly made and exciting Korean action blockbusters set in third world countries, then I've got a treat for you with The Point Men. As Bargaining in South Korea and directed by Im Soo Nae and starring Hong Jung-min and Hyun-bin, this is the latest overseas Korean blockbuster and the latest in a series of films, exploring real-world events involving overseas Koreans. Last year you might have seen the smash blockbuster The Roundup set in Vietnam You may have seen Ryu seung wans excellent The Berlin File, set surprisingly in Berlin. Both of those are entirely fictional. This is more like 2021's Escape from Mogadishu, also by Ryu seung wan which dramatizes a quite fascinating nugget from recent history. This was the first Korean movie actually filmed in Jordan, and uh, Im and her team scouted quite a few different countries to see which one would be suitable and also possible to make a film of uh, of this size and a production of this scale. And it continues the trajectory of Korean cinema and uh, also drama becoming more international, um, from memories of Alhambra to narco-saints. Uh, it reflects the considerable muscle of the country's filmmaking industry at this point. And it must be said that Huang Zhengmin coming straight off the controversial Narco Saints, which uh, went down not at all well in Suriname, uh, it's a pretty bold move for him to be now immediately taking on a Middle East conflict in a film just months after. So, um, I wonder, uh, I wonder what he thinks of how his release schedule uh, shook out in the end. I will talk a bit more later about how maybe successful this is as, um, as a film about, uh, Places other than Korea, uh, about, um, things that are happening to Koreans in other countries. I think the thing to keep in mind is that this is mainly a story about, uh, Korean characters inspired by real life people, um, and an event that is happening specifically to them, uh, but set against the backdrop of a, an international conflict that was much wider. And, um, I would say right at the outset, don't expect uh, this film to tackle much of anything at all about that wider conflict, it is uh, a setting, and there was a specific moment of drama that uh the director im wanted to uh wanted to explore with this so on September second two thousand and seven uh Reuters reported that nineteen South Korean Christian volunteers who had been held hostage by the Taliban in Afghanistan for six weeks returned home to an uncomfortable welcome uh, thanking their government for saving them from deaths. Um, Basically what had happened was that uh, Taliban insurgents had kidnapped 23 South Koreans in mid-July. They killed two male hostages as initial negotiations stumbled and at a later point released two women captives. Um, The hostages spoke of living in constant fear, uh, split up into small groups and shuttled around the Afghan countryside to avoid detection. A senior Taliban leader told Reuters that Seoul had paid $20 million for their release, but the South Korean government at the time denied paying any ransom, uh, although has been criticised internationally for striking a deal through direct negotiations. So that is the incident that this film is about. And uh, that little paragraph there from Reuters that I uh, was was able to track down covers pretty much the events uh, in the film. You're opening with uh, these uh, missionaries being, uh, being captured. And uh, pretty quickly you have a, a couple of guys who are deployed to try and rescue them. And everything from uh, the reception at home and kind of what's going on in the media to the question of whether these were volunteers or missionaries uh, to those um, very very critical uh, incidents of two hostages being killed and then another two being released uh, are dramatized. Recently in the Korea Times, uh, the director Im sun Rhe shared how she came to return with a film about the traumatic uh, hostage crisis in 2007. Uh, Quote, at first, I turned down the offer to direct the film because it deals with a sensitive subject, she recalled. Uh, But on second thought, she wanted to do it by shifting the focus of the story from the hostages to the diplomats and state intelligence agents who struggled to get them released. Now, I'd never... uh, heard really about this um this hostage crisis 2007 i was still in school i was back in the uk um, and uh my uh my world was quite small but um south korean forces had been deployed uh, in afghanistan as well because of obviously the the pre-existing relationship with the us those are uh usually kind of the the wages of siding uh siding up with a, another country you you pulled in um, to deploy troops and, and that's how so many countries get, um, get involved in these things. Sensible, I think, uh, decision by the director here to not really make a, a war film, um, but actually to tackle this, this specific thing. To, to zero in on the suspense and the drama of a negotiation where there is such high stakes. Um, and I think at that, the film is very, very successful. It focuses on Huang jung as the diplomat who's dispatched to Afghanistan, and Hyun-bin as a disgraced uh, NIS guy, I think, who's already there. You see him getting um, cracked out of jail to begin with. Um, Hyun-bin, by the way, in this, um, looks incredible. He's got a beard, he's got a tan, he's got a bit more of a rugged look than your... Um, uh your dramas that you've probably seen him in or his usual public persona. Um makes me think it's a bit of a pity that wearing beards isn't really part of the the current fashion in uh South Korea because um incredibly strong look and I think he should stick with it but you'll probably see him fresh faced uh, next time he's in an advert or a drama. But um yeah no no such thing as a bad look for this guy. Um so him and Huang Jungmin form a classic kind of mismatched couple, there's a lot of headbutting and and roaring at each other as they clash over how to rescue the hostages. On one hand, it's very done before as the kind of buddy cop setup. And on the other, it's quite deft how Yim is basically injecting the arguments and all the competing strategies of what you'd imagine to be rooms full of diplomats and agents, and an entire international um, rescue operation into these two characters so you can easily follow. Um, and I think that's that's part of uh, you know, good um, cinematic storytelling, is, is to capture a, a, a big sweeping tale like that and communicate it via characters. Yim also quite sensibly leaves the US out of the film, for the most part, other than the occasional soldier or double agent turning up, um, but she dodges the necessity to tackle the morals of the US military presence in Afghanistan and the damage that this conflict was causing and, and has caused on such a huge, uh, violent, tragic scale. That's a lot for anyone to bite off and chew and uh, she quite cleverly gets around it. Um, basically, like I said, she's interested in the specific uh, story around these hostages the film also gives quite short shrift to the question of the withdrawal of south korean troops that that was one of the demands of the taliban um to reduce these uh, to to release rather these hostages and that is true to life um like i say that korean troops were there and and that the taliban uh were demanding that they be withdrawn in return for the safety of the hostages but um the the film also uh d- doesn't really want to talk about that kind of diplomatic dynamic that South Korea found itself in, of having to participate um, in a wider sense. And it's also not hugely um, uh, an action film. It's it's not a pew-pew kind of car chase running around, although there is one really cracking car chase. But it has less action set pieces than something like Escape from Mogadishu. It's more a film about the different characters and factions that they have to deal with as they try to bargain for the hostage's release. So they're racing around Afghanistan, they're meeting a lot of local people and influential figures from the president to the royal family, Korean informants, trying a lot of different things. And it's pretty gripping watching them try to find a solution um, in this way. And the side characters are honestly what bring the movie to life. Um, There's this guy, Hussein, who's uh, translating for the Korean embassy. Um, he's this really sweet bloke. I don't know if he's been in anything else before, but the actor, uh, was really pouring his heart into it. And, uh, I found him very endearing. Um, there's Ismail, who's a chief of something called the Jirga. He's basically connected to the royal family. And it's like this, um, just a, a powerful, very established family in Afghanistan that they're trying to get leverage with. He was quite good to add the, the, uh, local flavor. There's this really cool bloke who comes in from London. Uh, who's called Abdullah, who basically is a, a broker and he's, um, he says he's gonna help them out. He talks like Peter Serafinowicz. Um, he's played by this guy called Brian Larkin, who was in Narco Saints as well, actually. Who's, uh, yeah, and th- this character is a bit of a slippery customer, but I thought all the stuff with him was really fun, um, as well. And, uh, yeah, a very good, a very good choice of casting for that. Um, and there's Kasim, who's played by Kang Kyung from Attorney Woo. There was uh, more than a little controversy uh, over this character when he was revealed because um, somewhat inadvisably uh, Kang Kyung put a picture of himself on social media um, in costume and did not mention that this is a Korean overseas uh, man who has converted and learned to speak Pashto and and taken on the name Kasim. Um, and people thought because he's wearing a very bad sort of fake tan that he was in brown face, which would obviously be appalling, um, and, and totally unacceptable. That's not the case. I think it's very funny that nobody has bothered to, um, put the internet right, uh, uh over that. And the character is, is pretty paper thin. Um, I like the, I like the gesture towards showing, uh, a Korean character who has moved over there and fallen in love with the country and settled down and learned the language and all that kind of stuff. Like that's something um, that uh, I think is good in movies like this when you're dealing with sensitive topics and um, uh, armed conflicts between countries that are not equally matched, in, you know, in terms of like weaponry and um, uh, military industrial power like you're moving into very very uh, tricky terrain in terms of what you show and what you're saying Um, so showing a character like this can be one way to bring out um, sort of the the local color and show the good things about that place as well that it's not just all about war they are also careful to um, show that actually most of the local Afghans um, are you know very uh, set against the Taliban uh, as well, and that the president will instantly lose political points if he capitulates to any of their demands. Like I think that's um, it's important that they put that stuff in, but I think the character of Kasim, who's also positioned as uh, comic relief, is is too thin, and probably still too um too much of a of a caricature to to, to be that, to absolve the movie completely of, of being problematic. Um, so, but everyone is going to, is going to make up their own mind and, and draw their own line on, on this stuff. And I'm not Korean, neither am I uh, Afghan. Um, so it's not my place to say, but at the end of the day, you, you have to, um, you have to draw the line yourself for, you know, whether or not this is, um, this is a reason that you don't want to watch the movie. And people have said that they wouldn't want to spend money on the movie because of, you know, the, the initial impression of, of that post. And that's totally fair. You know, these, like I said at the start, these are quite problematic movies. They happen to also be extremely good entertainment. So you, you really have to, um, decide for yourself as long as you don't yell at people for watching it. And as long as anyone who watches it doesn't yell at people for not watching it and we all don't yell at each other, sure, we'll all be fine and we'll survive. So, yeah, I, I loved all the the side characters. They were like these little side quests um, that people were doing, uh, running around, desperately trying to um, find out what they can do. Um, like I say, it, it does a better job than a movie like Mogadishu at making these kind of, you know, somewhat multifaceted Afghan characters. Um, there's an Afghan-American actor, Fahim Fazli, who plays the Taliban commander. Um, he's, a, he's actually uh, an American citizen now, but he was born in Kabul. Um, Daishik, who's the Hyunbin character, is, is another one who's come to sort of love the local culture and speak a bit of the language and the landscape and says he doesn't want to go back to Korea. And those people exist. in in all kind of um, overseas communities. Um, I'm one of them, where you you move overseas and uh, you find somewhere that's just much more you. So I like that. And I'd like to see the film that was more about um, maybe a a Korean fellow or or lady who moves to another country, um, maybe, you know, a totally different culture, um, there isn't, you know, I'm not talking about Paris or New York or, or somewhere, but somewhere like this and, and falls in love with it and explores why and casts more local actors. The thing is that within the case of Afghanistan, it's difficult even to find a lot of movies uh recently from uh from the country if you take a look on wikipedia the the list is quite slim um because it has for a long time been difficult to get movies made and i read about um, movies where they had to film them quite quickly and wrap them up quite quickly and keep moving around because otherwise the taliban would shut it down um this was a, a few years ago um and you are really dealing with a case where a country that has massive cultural heft and a huge and healthy filmmaking industry is telling stories um, set in a country that does not have that kind of um, voice on on the global stage and doesn't have that share of people's attention at all so it's never going to be uh, it's never going to be fair it's never going to be equal in awareness i think with all of these you have to keep in mind you know whether it's uh, Korean or Western, whatever production. That um, these aren't um, like this isn't a, a story about Afghanistan. It's it's by and about um, Korean people. And when it's a British film, you know, it's it's by and about British people, even if the setting is anywhere from France to um, uh, to China to wherever. Yeah, just something to keep in mind. Uh, I, I think, and to remember how sad it is that actually we don't, um, we don't get stories very often or very easily from a lot of places. So returning to the actors after that immense, um, sort of rambling detour, um, Huang min has the most work to do, um, as, uh, the diplomat, J-Home. He kind of keeps hitting up against walls. He's desperately looking, uh, looking, looking for a bargaining chip um he's caught between kind of understanding the dynamic on the ground um where things are moving very fast at one point he's he's caught in a a bombing um and the government and media in south korea who aren't always super helpful there's one moment where um the media cause a huge amount of trouble because the way they talk about the hostages as missionaries when they've in Afghan, the Afghanistan team has been saying they're volunteers um, to try and make them look more favorable uh, when they're trying to, um, trying to get some help from Ismail and, uh, and the Jirga guys. So that was interesting. I, I thought it was um, uh, a pretty detailed account that they showed the uh, kind of the problems that the media were causing uh, as well. And it's something you don't always think of that people are going to be watching. Um, how these uh, how these things are discussed about overseas. With Huang Jung-min, I just really like how South Korean actors portray these characters um, in these situations. So even though this is a Jason Bourne, Mission Impossible type movie, it's it's this big thumping action film overseas. Um, he's not like a a badass. He portrays this character very realistically. Um, less stoically than a lot of western actors would he's panicking he's melting down uh screaming into a pillow because he's just so uh stuck for what to do um like it, it and it makes you think like you can't believe right the pressure that this guy is under 23 lives um that he is responsible for he's having a bad couple of days and he's not just this unflappable badass um he seems like somebody at work who's trying to do his job and save people rather than like a, a semi-superhuman secret agent like a, a born or a bond um so i, I love that and once again juan min doing great work he uh has a lot of um english lines which seems to be something he's interested in doing um he mentioned that was one of the reasons he took this role um he obviously had a lot of english lines in narco saints as well he's just got a great voice whatever language he's speaking um and uh yeah he's he's always always good um the movie itself builds to like a very good very tense negotiation set piece which i thought was brilliantly staged and filmed um really, really, really tense, really gets across the stakes, um, the dramatic nature of it. By the time I got to that scene, I really was all in. Um, I thought this was very good, very crafted um, thriller making um, from uh, from this director and uh, really enjoyed it. Um, this was a great trip to the cinema. I was worried when I sat down and the first thing it showed was footage of the Twin Towers, that this would come across like a sort of 15 year old American Western war film, um, in how it treated the conflict and, and that it would be a bit more, um, a, a bit more offensive in that way. As I've said at length, it's still problematic. It's difficult to, to make something like this a huge collaborative piece of entertainment with, you know, so many parts moving and and hundreds of people involved um that is not going to be compromised in in that regard i think most people wouldn't look to big um cinematic blockbusters for uh for for very considered takes on on such tragic and uh, and and awful moments in our modern history um but i did learn about uh, a hostage crisis that i knew nothing about and i then went and um, read a bit more about it And it all helped to, for me, fill in a a little bit more about South Korea's recent history and the diplomatic imperatives that its kind of uh, overseas teams and its embassies um, operate within. And that's all genuinely interesting stuff. And I think that, like like I said, within the context, um, there's an extremely good um, movie about negotiation um, in in there. So uh, this for me, uh, yeah, if you're fine with all of that, then um, a, a top-notch trip out to the cinema or um, catch it on streaming um, later in the year where I'm, I'm sure it'll find a home. So, yeah, The Point Men, not bad. There's plenty of other episodes of K-Botak that you can check out about movies, problematic and otherwise. You might want to follow the show on Twitter at at K-Botak Pod, that's at K-B-O-T-A-K, Uh, P.O.D. Love to chat to you over there. Um, Not on there as uh, much as I'd like recently because um, I'm quite busy, but uh, always try to check in. There is a lovely community that that follows the account for this show um, that that I follow back. I'm always finding uh, new people as well who just post loads of really interesting movies and a, a good way to Swell your letterboxed watch list or your IMDb watch list beyond all reasonable proportions um, is to come and be part of that community and um, talk about movies uh, as well as K dramas um, and all sorts of stuff. Um, so I hope to see you there. Until then, see you next time. Cheers.